Hello, everyone, and welcome to the No Bullshift Podcast, where we take a no bullshit look at entrepreneurship and offer you some mindset shifting insights along the way with your host, Chance Aiken. This is episode six. Uh, I did episode five this morning with uh, Thomas Rock Lindsay, uh, certified nice. ClickFunnels partner. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, so, yeah, no, just introduce yourself a little bit and then we can kind of start getting the conversation going after that. Okay, perfect. Hey, good evening, everyone. I know it's a Friday night. I uh, just wanted to say hi. My name is John, and I wanted to say thanks to Chance for having me on the podcast. Uh, my company is Inspired Service, and so we teach people the customer service skills and kind of life skills that they can learn at work to uh, make things better for them outside. Um, I've been doing this for probably about a year now, and um, I found ClickFunnels maybe about a month or two ago. So um, I'm looking forward to that journey that it'll uh, definitely help out um, automating those things that I'm not good at for sure. Yeah. All right. So how did you get into that uh, customer service? Uh, how did you get into starting that business exactly? Gotcha. Well, um, I was, I've been um, in food and beverage, you know, restaurants, mostly in hotels since I was like 18. And, yeah. you know, I always kind of did things and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this for a little while and then um, go to school and get out. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, I always ended up back into it. And uh, a couple of years ago, I realized I was like, man, you know, you're really good at it. Why don't you just like trying to make a career out of it or try and make something yeah. out of it? And, um, you know, it, it when you go out to eat, you realize you need that. Like, cause, you know, sometimes you have these awful experiences. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, it, and it's really not uh, it's not hard to do well. And I think that, um, you know, as far as businesses go, they're always spending money on marketing and getting people in. Well, what are you doing to keep them coming back? You know, how much are they spending to get someone in in the building as opposed to how much easier would it be for someone to have a great experience and just keep coming back? Yeah, no. And uh, that's actually an industry I know quite a bit about. I've worked in that industry quite a bit. Uh, My wife is even currently a a bartender and server still. Oh, wonderful. I've I've waited tables. I've been a management in the food industry. I've, I've worked a lot of different jobs in the uh, food and hospitality service industry. So it's, uh, I can definitely relate to what you're talking about. In a lot of aspects, <laughs> for sure. uh, it's, it's not the hardest job in the world, but a lot of people seem to drop the ball and not have a clue on how they should be approaching the situation. Of course. Like uh, my approach, my, my story comes from like, uh, when I was a kid, my parents, we didn't have a lot of money. So, uh, they worked up both yeah. two, two jobs, opposite schedules. And when we had time together, it was very rare. So these one hour, two hour dinners every couple of months were really special to me. And I remember this one time, this guy just totally dropped the ball, no refills, didn't come check on us. The food came out slow. Um, yeah. You know, he he had a must have like a tin top with like an American Express business card dropping yeah. wine bottles, you know, so he was paying attention to them. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, um, and I remember like leaving that building and my parents were just like at each other's throats, just fighting. Just, yeah. I mean, it was the worst night ever. And I kept thinking, man, what happened? What happened? And yeah. I realized that, you know, people in your life, you don't even know, have a very big impact. So, yeah. um, you know, it kind of drives who I am. And, and, you know, I just want to throw pebbles in the world and make some ripples and hopefully it puts out enough good out there to make a, a difference, you know? Yeah, no, I can respect that a lot. And I definitely agree with, with that. I mean, if you have a lot going on and then you go out and you have some terrible service, uh, <laughs> it can definitely amplify those bad situations because then especially if in that, like in that situation where you see them 
taking care of someone else. It's not like they're just a shitty server overall. <laughs> they're, they're taking care of somebody else simply because they obviously have money and they think that's going to be a good tip. They're like, oh, this family's not going to tip me very well, so I'm not even going to worry about wasting my time with them. Like you oh, yeah. kind of feel like you get that, you know, shrug off from them. You can feel when they're, you know, portraying you in that way almost in their mind. Oh, of course. They do the server math in their head. They like, you know, they do the tally. Okay, that's 50 bucks, $7. Okay, whatever. And then these guys are over here, steaks and lobsters and wine and whiskey. Like, <laughs> you know, they <laughs> yeah, don't have any problems. Exactly. And then, uh, so, so how exact, what exactly with your business do you do? Do you serve directly to, uh, like the business owner and the management team or like, like what exactly what services are you offering to them? So I would honestly, I cater strictly to the, mostly to the employee. I will do stuff okay. for like a business. Um, but my first six months I got uh, very <laughs> poor responses on my marketing to them. Um, yeah. You know, the bigger guys, they have their own HRs and stuff and the smaller yeah. guys, you know, I mean, you work for smaller companies. They don't want people coming in and tell them what to do. And yes. sometimes they don't have the uh, the budget to invest in something like that when they can't see a definite ROI. Um, yeah. So it's mostly coaching. Um, we'll have like little uh, videos and tips and stuff like that, trying to show them how to make more money while they're there. And then yeah. the second phase um, would be kind of how to make that transition out of it. So uh, being good with your finances, making good decisions, you know, and then yeah. find out what their gift is to put it out there for the world. Okay. Yeah, no, I've always been curious about a way to, uh, that's definitely an interesting approach in business for sure. I've always wondered a way that you could uh, kind of go after that almost a niche market within itself of, you know, people working within that industry, helping them improve their skills rather than just, you know, it seems like so many people within our world of online, they're just telling you that you shouldn't be in a job and here, you know, quit your job and come do this digital marketing thing. Well, not everybody yeah. wants to do digital marketing. So no. maybe you have to help them enhance their own skills and find what they're passionate about. So, I mean, that's definitely an interesting uh, uh, route you've chosen and one I can definitely respect. And like I said, I've wondered on my own at times how, how people could target that. And uh, that, that's definitely an interesting approach to it by far. Well, when, you, when you've been in a business for a long time, so you hear all these people's stories. I was going to do this. I was going to do this. You know, I had yeah. this talent. I was going to do this. And something happened, you know, and I'm like, man, there's so many talented people here when you actually get to oh, know yeah. them and they find out that they're singers or they're dancers or they uh, they're really good at carpentry and i was like man why can't like i'm not saying this is a bad job but you know once yeah. you get a certain point you know you can't do it forever you have a family you get a little older you know how why can't you what is stopping you from pursuing that and it's usually their limiting beliefs they're oh you know i'm just a server oh i'm just a bartender um you know i got i'm stuck in this rut and um you know i don't the, have a college degree you know there's Exactly. Different excuses they give themselves or they hear from other people and apply to themselves and don't really mm -hmm. take the action that could actually set them apart and get them doing what they need to be doing. But since they internalize all the beliefs from what they're told from others and hear from others and oh, especially their peer group. Uh, negatively about themselves. Yeah. And definitely their peer group, you know, that's, that's kind of where they get stuck is in that negative perpetuating cycle. And oh, you, hell, you know how I, I was even there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you hang out with these people, you try something new. Oh, why are you doing that? You know, and then, you know, you and then you go to the bar at night, you have a few beers. You, you know, sometimes you spend half your money you made that day at the bar and you wake up and you're hungover and, you know, yeah. you don't have enough money to pay your bills and it keeps going on and on. It's like, guys, we can we can do better than this, you know? 
So yeah. we'll see. Hopefully we can um, make some improvements in people's lives and, and really get them uh, taking it to the next level, you know? Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I definitely have a lot of admiration for that. That's awesome. Cause yeah, like I said, I've waited my tables, waited tables. <laughs> myself. Uh, I've been a manager for, I've been an assistant GM and an acting GM uh, on like seven different stores uh, within the Chicago land market for uh, oh, wow. five guys. And then I was the operations manager for Panera here for a while. And I mean, I've just, and several other places too. I've, I've worked in the food industry quite a bit and both on the management side and the uh, front end serving side. And oh, so you, you definitely come across a lot. Yeah. So, so you definitely <laughs> uh, come across a lot of people that you're wondering why they're there and they're just stuck in that yeah. perpetuating mindset of, you know, this is just what I got to do. Like, uh, and, and heck I was even there at one point of, you know, I was trying to make a career out of something I wasn't passionate about within that industry mm. just because, you know, I had kids and things like that. And I was like, well, I guess I can't really pursue what I really want to do. I just got to do what I got to do for my family for now, which is mm -hmm. true. I still got to do what I got to do for my family, yeah, but I can pursue my passion at the same time. And that's what I've been Wonderful. doing this past year for the most part is, you know, starting to actually build things for myself. How, how do you think, um, if I may ask you a question, um, yeah. I always ask people, think about all the skills that you learn working with like people all the time. Right. And yeah. hungry people and different people and, you know, managing and catering to all different demographics. How do you think that had helped you, um, with on your, on your pursuit that you're on right now? It helped me in a, a lot of different aspects. Uh, one that I actually touched on this morning in the, uh, podcast with Thomas is the fact that I've worked in so many management roles within that is that, my self-management and the way I approach projects for myself has been really defined because I can really lay it out very orderly and scheduled and, you know, approach it like a manager mm -hmm. almost. Yeah, you um, got like structure. Yeah. But then, you know, I have completely struggled, you know, come home to my apartment after working. Uh, there was a point in time I was working two jobs uh, when I was the assistant GM for five guys. And I was doing sales for a company called Fastman, an industrial supply uh, company. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was working seven days a week, you know, uh, five, three to five days of the week, depending upon my schedule. I'd be working from like six in the morning at five guys Ooh. or at uh, six in the morning at Fast and All Mean till about midnight at five guys. And, you know, just Jeez, burning man. myself out, but doing what I had to do to pay bills. And, you know, I came home one night to the uh, eviction notice, essentially, on my apartment because behind on rent and, you know, oh just, you know, losing my shit. So I've, I've been there at what I would consider my rock bottom and I've mm -hmm. had multiple rock bottoms. So that definitely drives me. But then being around that negative circle of influence where you're working with people that were 10, 20 years my senior in that job that I had already felt stuck in at my age. And, mm -hmm. you know, they have been there for a while. That is their career. And they're talking so negatively about life and the job field and everything else. And it's like, I don't want that to become my life. You know, no, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to become this person that's essentially a, a shell of what they wanted to be. And they're mm -hmm. just working this job, miserable. Everything's a negative outlook. I didn't want to become that. And so that also definitely drives me in a very powerful way as well. Oh yeah. You can see it. Like I always tell people, like I was kind of like coach people, you know, young managers and stuff. I was like, when you, when you hire people, you can get young and inexperienced or you can get old and angry and experienced. Yeah. 
<laughs> so you have to find <laughs> you have to find the balance. If they're old, they know what they're doing, but they're not going to listen to you. They have their own ways. You know, if yes. they're young, they're happy and they're willing to learn, but they they make these little mistakes all the time. So you have to kind of find the balance of where what do you what can you deal with as a manager? Yes. You know, and and I met so many people that were so talented, and it's just like what happened? Oh, well, this and this and this, and it's like. You know, with the way things are today, like, you know, we're talking on the computer screen. This is like the end of the big ball at Disney. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Like when you went on to the spaceship Earth, it's like, dude, you don't have to do this anymore. You can figure out a way part time to create something for yourself. But like you said, they're so caught up in that negative environment that they can't see it. Yeah. No, and and you you defined it so perfectly. You can either get young and inexperienced or uh, old and angry. And that's exactly what they become because they get so... If if they're at that age and they're still working within that level of a career, and mm-hmm. in fact, especially if you're in the hiring process and they're coming to you, so they're obviously out of a career or unhappy mm-hmm. where they're at and trying to come to you, then yeah, they're probably unhappy with what they're doing and they're just looking for something else. And yeah, they're, they're not even in ways. They're not going to want to listen to a manager that's younger to them. It's, it's oh, just going to be cutting up heads. And they can, they're not even trying to ascend within the, the serving um, realm, you know, because you can work at high yeah. end places. Um, if you work at Disney yeah. World, I know you make incredible, I mean, you can make up to six figures if you work as a server at Disney. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you can still pursue something more than that instead of just being stuck in your, you know, I don't want to say, you know, put anybody on blast, but your mid level, you know, family chains, the two for 20 special yeah. uh, chains, you know, you don't have to serve there. You can you know learn better language you can get more develop more skills and still do that but make more money and be happier you know but exactly yeah and then just keep building off of that and that's that's one thing i used to tell a lot of people that would work for me is i never wanted them to stay working for me for very long mm-hmm. uh, i always did try to you know i had the management style especially whenever i was at five guys of I didn't, you know, step on people to try and boost my way up in the company. I tried to lift people up to then push me up. You know, like mm-hmm. I build up my team below me and that kind of helps push me up to the next level oh, because obviously wonderful. proving that my team can do well and that helps. So, you know, like I was always, you know, trying to be that person that could talk with people and, you know, build them up and help them out. And one of those like very common, uh, interview questions that almost like if you just go to any interview thing on any company software that they print out and it's just like that same generic question i always just had to tweak it a little bit whenever i'd ask people because i didn't want them lying to me uh, Mm -hmm. because they felt they needed to which is you know like that whole stupid question of where do you see yourself in five years i absolutely (laughs) hate that question and for the longest time, I wouldn't even ask it because most people, obviously, if you ask them that, they're like, oh, I hope I'm in a pretty good position within this company, which you know yeah. they're foolish. That they don't want to work there. They're just, yeah. they're just telling you what they think you want to hear. Uh, yeah, but the thing the job, we, of course. We, we don't live in a world anymore where people are you know, going to be working for the same play career for 20 plus years and then retire with a gold watch. You know, it's, we don't mm-hmm. live in that world anymore. It's you know, people that are going to graduate from college if they even go and they're going to work, you know, four or five different jobs in their lifetime, if not more. And Mm -hmm. so whenever I would ask that on the rare occasions, I would, I would always tell them, you know, don't tell me you want to be working here, but what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do in the next five to 10 years of your life? And, you know, and that's kind of where I would gauge the person's personality and their work ethic. I mean, if they could truly give me no dreams or aspirations that they had, then Mm -hmm. obviously that's going to be one of the people that thinks this is just a hangout when they're not at high school. Because you know, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of the people you get is people in high school or just graduated out of it, 
And, you know, and they're going to think it's just a hangout. And I had a lot of those employees that were hired by people previous to me. But you find those people with aspirations, stuff they want to go beyond that, then, I mean, those were some of my hardest workers. I mean, one of my hardest workers I had whenever I was a manager there was uh, a girl that was going to school at nights and uh, working on starting up her own uh, bakery shop business. I mean, oh, man, that's awesome. She was one of the hardest workers I had. And she definitely didn't want to be there forever, but she was putting in the work she needed to there. And because she had that work ethic and drive to get to where she wanted to be outside of there. Oh, yes. You can develop a lot of skills where you're already at. Like, I believe personal development is not something you do, um, you know, just an hour here a day. It's something that you should do all the time. You know, you can pick something up, especially like that's why I like doing it with restaurants and serving is because you kind of have like a lab to try, you know, try these sales skills out. And you try to have a lot to try these um, approaches and these ways to talk to people and resolve issues because you're meeting such a wide range of people. Yeah. And you read something and you say, okay, I'm going to put that in my repertoire, in my spiel or my pitch. Um, yeah. and it works. Okay. Boom. I learned how to sell or if someone's really upset. Okay. How can I, how can I diffuse the situation? And you learn how to break these situations down where people don't even remember that they had an issue. And only remember thing is yeah. that you're their hero and that oh, skill yeah. will translate to any other job they will have down the road. Yeah. Now, so many people go into customer service with the idea of they've got to prevent all problems, which then in turn usually causes problems. Mm-hmm. But in fact, problems can sometimes be your best friend in that as- in that industry because when you are given the opportunity to correct that problem and fix that problem for the customer, you definitely increase your perception to that customer, and you know, and they can sometimes become a customer for life just because they see how much you actually care to you know take care of it and take care of them and fix the find a solution to the problem that they are having. Oh, of course. I, I think, um, you know, people, I think of like dining as a story, right? So people come yeah. into, they're in conflict, they're hungry. So they come to yeah. you to resolve it. Well, yeah. you know, they come down and then they expect their food to come out at a certain time or, uh, you know, their drink was supposed to taste a certain way or they ordered a certain side and it doesn't happen. You know, you've seen it, man. They just explode. And if you can be that guy that like breaks that down and takes them, you know, hey, man, let me take care of that for you. I'll fix yeah. it for you. Their wife's happy. Their kids are happy. You know, it's not like dad's blowing up and now we have to leave. Yeah. And you can really transform the night for them because like I said, with my parents, like you don't know what's going to happen when they get in the car. Yeah. You know, the first words out of my mom's mouth, as soon as we left that restaurant that night where I told you we shouldn't have gone there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, so, so you can definitely uh, change people's uh, whole evening or week. You never know, man. Yeah. But, no, uh, no. The little minor interactions you have with people can be a big difference in just their whole mindset. But then, again, that still is indicative of that person themselves. But still, mm-hmm. you you just always got to be mindful of how you're presenting yourself to other people at times, especially within that industry, because you are in the customer service industry and you want to try to help them out. Obviously, there's going to be some asshole customers. <laughs> you just No matter what you do, you cannot yeah. please. I mean, you... There's nothing you can do to make that person happy, and it's going to happen. But you can at least send them home annoyed because you wouldn't stop smiling. <laughs> exactly. You can you can still be nice and try to do your best that you can. And if they stiff you on the tip or whatever, then you get it stiff. But I mean, mm-hmm. you don't. You shouldn't bring yourself down to their level just because that customer's an asshole. Oh, never. I I, I always like when you you hear about like a difficult person. I always love the challenge. Like, give them to me. Either this person is going to love me by the time he leaves or he's never going to come back here. Like, he doesn't have a choice to be kind of, you know, in the middle with me. 
either I'm going to win him over and he'll only sit with me for the next three years he eats here or he's never coming back. And I always tell the younger guys to take, accept that challenge because when you approach it from that mindset, it's a lot different than hearing like, oh, my God, this guy's picky. Oh, my God, this guy's a problem maker. And you, when you approach it with that mindset, you're not going to give him your best. You know he's trouble, so you don't even yeah. try. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's a huge issue both within the customer service industry and within the sales industry is people, they'll see somebody that they think isn't their ideal customer, essentially is the best mm-hmm. way to put it. You know, they look like they don't have that much money or they look like a grumpy old man or, you know, this or that. And they think that that person's not going to be there, uh, be somebody that's going to give them a good commission on their sale or give them a good tip on their service. And so then they try to duck out of it and hide it and pass it off to the next person or they just don't. They'll take it, but they don't put in the effort that they should have to it when, you know. Working in sales and working on waiting tables, you know, I've had some customers that looked like complete assholes and they came in, they're mm-hmm. completely angry, started off the situation, just completely rude to me. And by the end of it, I mean, they loved me and, uh, I mean, they actually left me a good tip and, you know, I, within the sales industry, you know, I've, I got multiple sales out of the people just because, yeah, they might be just a overall grumpy, unhappy person, mm-hmm. but you can still win them over to an extent to where, you know, that's not going to necessarily control how I act and it can sometimes end up in a mutually positive situation. Oh, of course. Like the thing about it, if it's that hard to get reach that person, that means nobody else has done it. So if you're the one, dude, you're hitting the whole run with them. So. Oh yeah. And and one thing, uh, like my current day job, I'm the assistant manager for a uh, Volvo dealership. Mm -hmm. And I remember whenever, uh, a little over a year ago, whenever I first transitioned into that sales position, uh, which the reason I did that, you know, so used to being in these management salary positions for so long whenever I was doing management mm-hmm. uh, for several years that I, I had always had an entrepreneurial spirit for so, uh, in some aspect, you know, I started my own business in high school, uh, things like that. But that business got stolen by the investors, you know, I've talked about that previously, but mm-hmm. the, uh, so I always kind of had that underlying spirit, but then due to negative relationships and aspects and people I kept around in my life, it just kept getting beaten down out of me and I never really pursued it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully due to my wife who's extremely supportive and really helps build that up in me. And that's why I've been able to start getting the positive results and traction of building my business that I have thanks to her being in my life. Wonderful. But the, uh, I made that transition of going from that salary mindset to being in sales because mm-hmm. I wanted to start conditioning my mind and not being okay. Every two weeks I'm getting this amount and you know, it doesn't matter if I'm sick, if I miss a day, if I don't feel good while I'm at work and I don't perform as well as I did another day, it doesn't matter. I'm mm-hmm. getting that set amount because that's my salary as to where in sales, you've got to show up, put in work every day and bust your ass to make those sales. Or you could just be getting, you know, your zero. Yeah, nothing. So (laughs) you really got to put in the effort. And so I wanted to get in that mindset because I know once I'm obviously 100% self-employed, it's going to be the same thing. It's 100% reliant on me putting in the work to get the money for myself and my family. And so I wanted to get into a job that kind of simulated that. And granted, the job I Mm -hmm. have there is somewhat of a base salary. But it's not at all living wage. It kind of covers the gas to get there each week. So mm-hmm. if I don't sell anything, I'm not making any money other than to allow me to keep getting there because it covers my gas. Um, That's like your server check, just enough to pay the taxes. <laughs> out of it. Exactly. <laughs> That's really what it is. Uh, so 
so there's that aspect to it. The reason I went into that, but I remember there's one really uh, interesting thing. I remember whenever I first went through my training, when I got into the uh, car sales business, they had a, a trainer that came out and was talking with us. And he kind of gave this one example of, once again, an upset, angry customer that nobody wanted to deal with. And uh, the fact was that, you know, this guy came out to buy a car, was a total asshole. Nobody else wanted him, so he took him. And then, you know, finished out the paperwork, got the guy the car. But, you know, there was something missed within the paperwork or whatever. So he mm-hmm. called the guy up, uh, you know, after he somehow won him over, you know, and got him to buy the car, even though nobody else could. Cause he was, you know, an asshole. Nobody wanted to deal with him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and something was missing the paperwork instead of, you know, making this angry guy come back out, you know, on his busy day to come re-sign something that should have been done correctly the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took a demo vehicle from the dealership, drove out to that guy's business and, you know, brought the paperwork to him to sign. And he said he got so many more, he got so many uh, more referrals and uh, sales later on from people that worked with that guy that knew him as a coworker who was an asshole. And they're like, well, if you can sell him a car, you must really be good. <laughs> and so he got several sales that way. So when I'm with that is you never know what other things can come off of, you know, it's not just being good to that one person, but other people can see that you handle that negative situation positively mm-hmm. and get a good good result can send other people your way as well. Oh, of course. And I mean, think about the level of service, like from, from where we come from, like driving out to the customer to get that signature would be like a no brainer. Like, Hey, we screwed up. Yeah. Let's go make it right. But most exactly. people, they don't, they're not brought up with that mentality. Like, and I mean, I mean, think about the level of service. Those guys felt like, wow, if they mess up, they'll come and make it right to us. I don't have to drive all the way yeah. across town for two yeah. minutes out of the middle of my day. Oh my God. Incredible. I want to buy a car from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it, it, it just, it's a perpetuating thing. I mean, the more you can build that uh, reputation up, so to speak, and keep putting out those positive vibes and, you know, just not letting the negativity of others beat you down, the better off mm-hmm. you're going to be by far. I think that's what I found is the hardest part with people is breaking through um, people's peer groups. Like, you know, you kind of have yeah. to be okay being alone. And yes. being the guy who, you know, when you're, you know, when you're clocking out, like, Hey, we're going to get a beer. Like, nah, man, I'm going home. Oh, come on, man. Come yeah. on, man. You know, why are you being like this? It's like, you know, I just don't want to drink. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. you want to drink now? And I'm like, Hey, yeah. dude, I'm just trying to get my life better. <laughs> and people, but people will fall exactly. into that peer trap because the next day they know they're going to hear it. Oh, how's Mr. Oh, Sobriety yeah. over here? You know? And it's like, yeah, exactly. And, and you have to, I think they people, don't want that's to. The, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. That's the first step I do with people is like, hey, how to build that stuff would be okay being alone and being, you know, dealing with the criticism. Because if you can't get to that point and you're always listening to the people around you, you're never going to take a step. Yeah. Because they will keep oh, you yeah. there. That, that's, that's something I would tell my employees a lot when I was in management is, you know, when, you know, a lot of times because I was, I tried to keep myself on a level to where I was uh, relatable to them. They could come and talk to me about things and I would try to help mm-hmm. push them forward and stuff a lot of times, you know, then they would get upset with me because I wouldn't be hanging out with them. And I'm like, yeah. I get that I'm, you know, relatable. I'm able to talk to you. I'm doing all these things, trying to help you out. But at the end of the day, I'm your boss. I'm not your friend. I'm here to. And mm-hmm. so that's why, you know, also when you have those days where you hate me and you're not wanting me to go out once I just got onto your ass or yeah. something, it's because at the end of the day, I'm here for a job. I'm here to get things done and be your boss. I'm not here to be your friend. 
And so then whenever I stepped away from management and I was doing serving on the side at one point, um, I did the same thing there. I would have to tell people, it's like, you know, I'm here just to do my job, go home and take care of my own business. I'm not here to, obviously I'm going to be friendly with you while I'm here, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be going out Mm -hmm. every night, getting drunk with everybody off the clock. You know, it's, you don't have to come in the next day telling me about all the stuff that I missed while y'all were out, how I should have been there. It's not going to bother me. You can do that, but it's just going to be a waste of your time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah. And and I think that's where people uh, get stuck is that, is that same cycle, man. You go out, you come in hungover, you need your coffee, you got a bad mood and then you're not putting in the effort. And then, you know, you had a rough day because you were slow and sluggish and you have to go out and get another, you know, drink some more because you were so stressed out and then you just keep (laughs) drinking. And and it's hard. Very negative cycle. Yeah, and 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 I don't think people, you know, they realize that their talent that they can develop is not something that needs to be like, you know, um, you know, they don't have to go see Tony Robbins to go, you know, get this epiphany. They can just take these little tiny steps to, um, you know, clear the way and clear free the time up to develop those talents. Oh yeah, and I mean. it's almost become like a little bit of a cliche saying, but it's exactly true of like the whole law of averages thing of being, you know, you're the sum of the five people you hang around the most. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. And I mean, that's, it's not just like your five friends because you might not see your friends all the time. It's the people you truly spend the most time with. So whether that's, you know, you're hanging out with one person at work and then going home and just watching a, TV, you mean you can consider mm-hmm. those TV characters within that circle if you wanted to, just depending upon their mindset. And I've seen that with some people too, where just the <laughs> just the shows and the things they engulf themselves with at home, you know, is such in a negative light that sometimes alters their mindset. And mm-hmm. uh, so then, you know, they're at work with all these negative people that, you know, are all kind of stuck in a job they don't want to be. They're talking about, you know, all these negative aspects of trying to pay bills. All oh, this job sucks, but they have to work it to pay bills. They have to do this. They have to do that. They hate it. Yeah, and I've heard that story many times. Yeah. And, and and then they go home and, you know, they uh, watch Shameless to, you know, feel better about their lives because they're like <laughs> even more fucked up family. And, you know, and, yeah. and it just keeps perpetuating that way. And, but it, it really is. I mean, whether you completely change your circle of the people around you or you just decrease the amount of time that you spend with those people and mm-hmm. increase the time that you spend, you know, listening to podcasts, uh, watching TED Talks on YouTube, uh, reading books and like nonfiction books that actually help push yeah. you forward and provoke your mind. Uh, those kind of things can definitely. Yes. I found what worked for me was um, I started training like martial arts, like doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And yeah. I, I remember the first couple of times I went after I went drinking, man, I was getting my butt kicked like terribly. <laughs> you know, I was getting arm barred and, and, and knee locked and, and chokehold and all this stuff. And I said, okay, you know what? I want to be good at this. So I quit. Yeah. So I quit going out at night and that became my new hobby. And I, and I, yeah. and it like clicked. I was like, okay, dude, you can just change your hobbies, but it's make it something more productive. And that really kind of changed the course of what I decided to do outside of my time, outside of work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I used to do that as well. And that's something I've been looking to once I am a hundred percent self-employed, which, Mm -hmm. you know, if um, things keep going the way they're supposed to with, by the end of this month, early next month, I should hopefully crush that goal. Thankfully. Uh, once I am awesome news. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. 
yeah, once I hit that goal uh, and I actually have more time, because right now my work schedule just completely kills everything, is mm-hmm. there is some local gyms. I've been wanting to get back into that because about six years ago when I was still living in Memphis before I moved up here to uh, the Chicagoland area, I mm-hmm. was uh, part of a gym there doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, judo, and uh, Muay Thai. When oh, nice. Here, uh, whenever I moved up here, I was uh, part of, I don't know if you know who Clay Guida from the UFC is, but he actually is from the Chicagoland area and had mm-hmm. his own gym up here uh, called MMA Stop. And I was going there uh, doing, once again, you know, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Judo. Uh, I actually bought the full package to the gym. So I was doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, uh, Judo, Muay Thai, and boxing. It was just, you know, depending upon the night would depend upon the combination of the couple mm-hmm. of hour-long classes I would do. And I'd be there for two, three hours a night. And oh, that was dude, definitely a huge release for me. And uh, something I definitely want to get back into when I have the time again. Because that's definitely... It's such a stress reliever and mm-hmm. it's almost like active meditation for me. It, it yeah. really is. I mean, just the way you start, you know, getting into those moves and whenever you're just sitting there rolling with the other guys going mm-hmm. through the moves and things like that, it, it really is like your mind just kind of frees up of everything else. And you're just kind of in that zone for however long you're doing it. Oh yeah. Once you hit the mat, man, everything like goes away. That's why I loved it yeah. because you know, all my, all my problems I had and everything that I had going on, like as soon as I bowed and, and hit the mat, yeah. it didn't matter. I was like, okay, let's start doing exactly. shrimps. Let's start doing rolls. Let's start doing fall drills. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, nothing kind of like humbles you. Like, I, I guess gives you like inner strength. Like I did Taekwondo for a while too. And I got yeah. roundhouse kicked in the head by this, like, you know, three stripe <laughs> black belt and I saw yeah. lights and, you know, I was like, okay, I made it through. That wasn't that bad. And everything else I did yeah. after that since then, I was like, dude, I got, I, I fought a black belt today. Like you can't do yeah. anything to me. Nothing can mess with me today. Cause I got my butt kicked by a black belt. So, yeah. you know, you're nothing. And I think people um, would benefit from that kind of uh, activity for sure, because it's mind and body. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, no, it's definitely very humbling getting uh, choked out by somebody that if you just were to have seen them on the street, you'd be like, Oh, I could beat mm-hmm. that kid's ass. But, oh yeah, and he's like 130 pounds, and yeah, and and then you're like, oh well, that that was you know what we started yeah, on less than ten seconds, ago, less than ten seconds ago, and I'm already <laughs> you know being choked out right now. It's like, mm-hmm. how'd you even get there? Uh, oh yeah, man, they give you a back tape and then give you the uh, <laughs> the uh, you know Darvis choke or something like that, man. You're done, dude. Or guillotine. Those yeah. are the words. Yes. Yeah. No, there's. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of fun doing it. That's for sure. And it's definitely something I'd love to get back into and even get my kids into. Cause I know they have some kids classes up there as well. The place I would join. So it'd be fun to take them in there think, and roll around with them. I think jujitsu is the most kind of like entrepreneurship in business because you're not like naturally inclined to it. You know, everybody yeah. can punch and fight, right. But you can hard to roll. And, and I don't yeah. think you ever like master it. Right. Like I think so, I saw someone get a red belt, Um, but he's been doing it for like 45 years, you know? And I think that's kind of the same thing that you're never, you never achieve it. You're always in pursuit of the achievement and, you know, you go out, get your butt kicked. Okay. How did you do that? All right. You know, I got you in this move. I set you up here. And it's kind of the same thing with like the click funnels and all the entrepreneurship. You're, you're constantly falling forward and getting better and working with people like, Hey man, can you show me how to do that? Oh yeah, I got you. And you develop these really strong bonds with people, you know, like, Someone, oh, yeah. if you choke someone out, man, they have to trust you yeah. and vice versa. <laughs> yes, <laughs> You're not going to kill exactly. them, break their arm. They've got to go to work the next day. And you, yeah. I think those bonds you develop are really 
really strong. And I think the same thing with our group, the affiliate group is, you know, all these people are helping each other out and working together. And it's yeah. like, man, when you guys, when people start making it, like, you know, you have this good support team around. You. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of good parallels between the two. That's for sure. And definitely whenever it comes to the fact of uh, failure isn't failure, you're going to fail a mm-hmm. lot, but it's a learning experience to keep growing from and going. Cause if you were to go on the jujitsu and quit as soon as you fail, you won't even be in the room longer than five minutes <laughs> because as, as soon as you get done with the uh, couple of uh, warm ups and workouts and you get in the mm-hmm. actual rolling, I mean, you're going to be tapped out from somebody that's been doing it. You know, you're, you're going to be walking away. You just got to, you know, humble yourself, allow yourself to keep getting choked out or tapped out and keep learning and growing from that. But, and then same thing in business, you're going to keep stumbling and falling whenever you first get into it. And, uh, it's going to be hard. There's going to be struggle, but you keep pushing forward, pushing through, and then you're going to start to see those successes. You're going to start to see mm-hmm. those lessons learned from those failures, you know, start to compile and stack on top of each other until you hit that success you've been going for. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. I remember the first time like I escaped, like a, I did like a scissor sweep on someone and flipped and got mount position. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, then he like flipped me over and then like gave, put me in an omoplata, but yeah, you know, it was still cool to like, you know, you have those little victories on the way, you know, you're like, man, I didn't totally lose in five seconds. You know, I lasted 20 seconds. And I think that's the same yeah. thing. Hey, I spent all these ads and I got 10 clicks instead of, uh, you know, five. So yeah, yeah. I was, uh, definitely recommend it for people. Instead who of just a bunch of traffic and no conversions, <laughs> I finally got, you know, this many conversions, you know, it's, it, you, you keep building off of it. And as you're saying, it's, you, you're never done. I mean, even, uh, uh, once you're at the top of your game, you're still got to keep learning and pushing forward and failing forward to keep learning and growing. I mean, as you mentioned, even with jujitsu, like uh, Joe Rogan, I think is a black belt and has been for years, but even he'll still talk about all that on his podcast and things. He does the stuff that he still learns day after day within uh, the black, the uh, jujitsu world. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he's been a stand up comedy uh, comedian for years. And, you know, and he's still growing within that aspect and changing up how he does his shows. But then like in business as well, I mean, Russell Brunson, yeah, he's extremely successful, but he's not done. He doesn't just sit at home doing nothing. He's still building and growing and learning and finding ways to improve himself. I mean, he had that, uh, was it Howard Berg or I can't remember his name exactly, but that the world's fastest reader out to his office to help him Mm -hmm. and his team and then did the videos to help everybody else with increasing their speed on reading. And I mean, even Warren Buffett, you know, reads some, I think it's like six hours a day. He, he spends reading uh, to keep increasing, you know, his knowledge and what he knows and learns. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's why, you know, the, one of the wealthiest people in the world, because he keeps putting in that time every day to grow his knowledge and keep advancing himself forward. Mm-hmm. I a hundred percent agree, man. I think like that was, that was the one trait I got from, uh, my dad, he always taught me to read. Like I always saw him reading. So he's like, if you want to learn anything, you're not going to learn anything from, from school. So find books, yeah. you know, and and, I, and it's, and it, you find different books that are really good and they hit with you. And some of them are just like, you know, terribly written. I'm actually reading this really good book right now. It's called how to read a book. Yeah. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about? I, I've Have seen you, that book. Yeah. It, yeah, it threw me incredible. off when I first saw the title, but yeah. I, it's, I have it's incredible on how to read and analytically like really understand the meaning that they're trying to give to you, how to get more information yeah. out of it. And I mean, I'm not even, I'm maybe 20, 30 pages in and I went back and read some, you know, the shorter books that I have and found, yeah. you know, 
five or 10 times more value from it than I did in the first go around. So if anyone out there is watching and wants to uh, pick it up, it's a great read. Yeah, no, reading is something I've this past year. Uh, if you saw the amount I've read this past year, it, you'd probably think I've been reading my whole life. But in <laughs> this past year, I've been reading. Obviously, there's been books here and there throughout my life I've read, but it was never something I could get into. I would just get my mind just starts to wander. I would be like mm. three pages past where I last remember a thing I read. Um, you know, just, yeah, not reta- not retaining a damn thing, uh, anything like that. I mean, it's my dad was really into history and read a lot as well and things like that and always was pretty successful in his kind of managerial positions within jobs and stuff, which I guess translated to me being good in management. But nice. uh the reading side never transitioned into me. I mean, I had good incentives as a kid to read. My grandfather mm-hmm. would give me like 20 bucks whenever I'd finish a C.S. Lewis book. Uh, oh, but nice. Other than reading through the Narnia series as a kid, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, and then, you know, both of my brothers, they got paid for reading through the Harry Potter books, you know, growing up when they were in high school oh, and wow. stuff. But they, uh, also we got uh, that little like personal pan pizza. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, but like those were the kind of books I was encouraged to read as a kid is just, you know, mm-hmm. fiction things. It wasn't stuff that actually, you know, for the not been anything wrong with my parents, but I didn't have the parent like, uh, I don't know if you know, who Caleb Maddox is. I didn't have Matt Maddox as a dad, you know, and mm-hmm. pushing me to read success books and write reports on them from the age of seven on, which is oh, why wow. I'm not Caleb Maddox making six, seven figures at 15. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I reading was never my thing. I'd, wasn't good in school. I, or I was good in school to a certain point. Uh, mm-hmm. Once it got what I feel within the American school system as being a repeat, my mind just <laughs> went. My mind just went blank, and I was just done with it. I just became the guy that would hang out at school, half pay attention, do my homework, like the class before the class I had to mm-hmm. be in to turn it in. Oh yeah, uh, of course. So, so not even paying attention to that class, doing my homework for the next class. And, you know, just hanging out with, uh, you know, guys playing sports and hitting on girls. That that was my sport. That was my school. Uh, but and, and what I mean by repeat is, you know, it's like in the American school system, or at least down in the south where I was at, in the school system I was in, you know, it was like by the time you got to the end of middle school, you just kind of, and then in the high school, it started like repeating itself. Like sixth mm-hmm. grade was like world history. Uh, seventh grade was, uh, uh, world geography or something like that. Yeah. And then, uh, eighth grade in our school system was American history. And then you go to ninth grade in high school and it was, uh, world geography, 10th grade <laughs> history, 11th grade American history. And, and, you know, and like the same type of things with the types of math they would teach and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's like, I get they're building on it and it's a little bit more advanced than this, but it's, it was so much of a repeat and my, I was just so uninterested. Like I probably should have been like one of my brothers who, whenever he started getting bored, he just excelled and went into the AP classes, learning more advanced stuff. And, <laughs> you know, he, he went on to college and is doing really well for himself. He's actually working on his master's at Johns Hopkins. Currently. Oh, wow. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, he's fluent in Mandarin. I mean, that guy's incredibly Jeez. brilliant. Uh, definitely beyond me. But the, uh, <laughs> you know, school was just not my thing. You know, the mm. all the different reading assignments were just crap books that I didn't care about. I was, oh, yeah, was a summer reading project. I never did those. 
Yeah, I never did those. The books they would have us read in class, like the To Kill a Mockingbird and all those other, none of it interested me. So reading was never my thing. I was more into, you know, playing video games, uh, watching movies and TV shows, hanging out with friends, skateboarding, playing sports. And uh, I did enjoy writing, oddly Mm. enough, even though I wasn't big into reading. I enjoyed it creating stories and writing stories and uh actually still have it somewhere uh, originally one of my entrepreneurial things i wanted to do for the longest time was start my own video game design company and i actually have an entire uh video game storyline written out that i wrote forever ago uh, it was something i wanted to do and publish and maybe i'll have to find that and tweak it and just turn it into a science fiction novel i don't know but, go, uh, that's awesome uh, but like main point being that you know reading was never my thing until last summer and where that transition came is you know i was already at that point of trying to transition my jobs getting my entrepreneurial spirit back and i finally just saw one more of those ads that annoys the hell out of me and everybody else of ty lopez on youtube (laughs) and i finally yeah (laughs) the guy's a brilliant marketer i mean i I, you gotta love him for that so i finally saw that i was like what the hell? I haven't touched my Xbox in like eight months. I would have just spent the 67 bucks on another game. I have some friends that have been through it and uh, say the guy's not a scam. So I bought the uh, 67 steps program for 67 bucks. Didn't buy any of the upsells throughout his funnel, any of that just got the straight Mm -hmm. 67 steps. And I mean, I would highly recommend that to anyone actually that's looking to get into this type of stuff. I've, can't say anything about the upsells, whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. I didn't do them, but throughout the 67 steps videos, it's, you know, a video a day for 67 days. And as well as you get access to a bunch of other little videos and mentor tips and things like that. But mm-hmm. the way it helped shift my mindset with that 67 days of like daily mentoring almost with those videos. And then within those mentor tips, like back end bonus videos, there was kind of like that how to read book is almost kind of how he broke it down of this, like a strategic way that he calls smart reading. Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, a ton of people always ask him, you know, how does he speed read because he can speed read. Uh, But he was like, the best thing that I can teach you is not necessarily to try and start speed reading right off the bat. You can get to that, but start with smart reading so that you actually retain the more information. And I started reading so many more books thanks to that method alone. And building off of that that you know i started reading uh, obviously not cover to cover full books but Mm -hmm. i would read you know chunks of you know two to three books a day you know every day of the week you know throughout the year and it was just the amount that i actually retained from those books and the enjoyment i got from reading those and then it eventually got to the point to where i could read them all the way through pretty quickly Mm -hmm. i mean it it's just an incredible 180 change from who I was two years ago to where if you had asked me to read some of these books, I'd be like, sure, I'll read it. And then it'll be sitting there on my shelf for <laughs> you know a year or two collecting <laughs> dust. You know, not a thing done with it. But you know, like by the time I got dot com secrets and expert secrets, I read, you know, the full book cover to cover within a couple hours. I mean, it's mm. oh, wow. the ad- advancement I've made in my reading just within the uh past year has been incredible. And the wealth of knowledge I've gotten from it has been incredible and it's definitely advanced me forward. So, Oh yeah. To be able to download information that fast is just, Oh yeah. Especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it, you know, you're a parent too. So, you know, like that free time you have to 
invest in yourself is, you know, always getting erupted by, you know, at snack time or nap time or, um, you know, had an accident or went to watch Moana or something like that. <laughs> so to be able to download those things much faster, you know, you have to do it yes. or you're not going to get it done. Yeah, no, exactly. And the whole aspect of the, uh, uh, not want people that don't want to read. I feel another thing, a kind of point I was getting at the whole school thing here in America's, that you have so many people that don't like reading, don't enjoy reading, don't pursue reading because they're forced to in school. And the books that they're forced to read for school are mm-hmm. shitty books that don't teach them anything <laughs> about real life. They're, you know, these outdated old books like To Kill a Mark- Mockingbird that are not mm-hmm. very entertaining, don't keep them engaged, and don't really mm-hmm. teach them much of anything. I get there's And think about when it was written. Exactly. Think about the time period it was written. That was written for that style of audience. Like, you know, you have to update yeah. it or bring things more into a modern, especially for kids these days. You know, we didn't have, yeah. you know, these things to uh, yeah. entertain us and, and keep us constantly engaged. Like, you had to sit down and yeah. read a book and, and use your imagination to get a story. Those, those yeah. times are over, man. You, these books yeah, have to be captivating, that. interesting, relevant, or, or you're going to lose them. Yeah. And, and I think if I had been pushed to read more of these, uh, you know, educational or success books, I would have mm-hmm. found that I enjoyed reading a lot sooner. And but instead, you know, once again, I grew up in you know the around Memphis, you know, the Bible Belt. So mm-hmm. you know, what, what part of Memphis are you from? Down there. Germantown. Uh, originally, so I was whenever I was first born, I spent the first seven years, six seven years of my life uh, in Bartlett. Okay. And then I moved actually out to uh, Memphis, right on the edge of Shelby Forest and Fraser. Okay. So I was, oh, right, oh. I, was, I was right on that fun line between Rednecks and the ghetto. Oh, yeah, um, dude. I was going to say Orange <laughs> Mound. I was like, oh, you're a rough part No, I, uh, <laughs> I, I have friends in Orange Mound. But no, I was right on the line of Fraser and uh, uh, Shelby Forest. And actually, oddly enough, which this – blows more people away, especially whenever I kind of show them on a map or tell them, you know, just how close to the real Memphis ghetto I was into mm-hmm. Shelby Forest. But then I also followed up with Justin Timberlake was my neighbor. You know, <laughs> they, 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 awesome. they, they get a little thrown off by that. But I mean, yeah, no, he, uh, the neighborhood I lived in, he was actually uh, <sighs> right across the pond on the, uh, uh, and within the neighborhood from me, it was his 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 mom and stepdad and then his grandfather next door they both lived in our neighborhood mm-hmm. and uh whenever he was in town for things you know his mom's house there is where he would stay i think i recently heard from some family he just now finally sold that house and i think he moved his mom to nashville oh nice uh, you know for the for the longest time you know that was uh his home that he would come home to and it, it was funny for the longest time there's these baseball fields right outside our neighborhood and uh, people would park there and wait because they knew he lived out in that area. But they, didn't know, they didn't know which house was his because it just looked like every other house in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So they would park at those baseball fields, wait for the tour bus to come driving by, and then just follow him into the neighborhood. Oh, and you'd almost feel bad for the guy. But uh, yeah, you just want to go home and see mom, dude. You don't want to deal with any paparazzi or anything like that. Exactly. But then the uh, about three uh i lived there until right before i started high school and then mm-hmm. i moved out by germantown actually i moved uh to collierville uh, oh nice yeah, um, my, my uh my family my mom's family they live in uh, close to like jonesboro in arkansas so we'd always go to 
uh, Memphis and, and go to the pyramid and watch shows and stuff yeah. like that. And, um, you know, go to Beale street and get some barbecue, of course. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, the Memphis no, the, and the uh, three, six mafia are very dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so speaking of the pyramid and the three, six mafia is actually, uh, a few years before I moved away from there, I was down there with three, six mafia and Will white for a music video. They were filming it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, a good friend of mine grew up with Will White, so we got to go down there for the music video shoot. It was a lot of fun. Oh, man, that's uh, incredible, dude. I love him, man. <laughs> the CD was really good. Yeah, it was. But the uh, uh, what I was getting at is the uh, like right before we moved to Collierville, like a year or two before we moved there, he had like a $1.5 million addition done to his mom's house. Mm-hmm. And so then it became very evident which one was his. Nobody had to really follow him into the neighborhood anymore. They're just like, oh, mm-hmm. it's the obviously one. that one. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's clearly this one that, uh, you know, has the stone driveway and the 10-foot concrete wall around it with security <laughs> cameras. <laughs> it's, it's, it's obviously not any of these other houses. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I always uh, – kind of joke that I should have let him run me over because he almost ran me over <laughs> several times speeding out of that neighborhood. Should have just jumped on the windshield or something. Yeah, taken <laughs> uh, yeah just called the Z right there, man, and got you. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it was kind of crazy having him as uh, a neighbor for sure, especially if you're familiar with that area. Obviously, you're very familiar with the way people think in the Bible Belt. Well, yes. I, uh, yeah, if you don't uh, go to my church, you're going to hell pretty much. Yeah. The, the church I was actually going to at that time when I did used to go to church and I was down there, um, the church I grew up in, uh, Justin Timberlake's biological father and stepdad and stepmom, I mean, uh, were like the music and church director there mm-hmm. and, uh, just the hate his father received and like the negativity his dad received after that Super Bowl incident with Janet Jackson. Oh, it was like, <laughs> like, like as a kid, I didn't really understand and I wasn't even that young, but mm. back then I just kind of thought it was funny, but yeah. never really understood it that much. But it's like, since I've been an adult and looking back, I'm like, were they really giving his dad that much hate for something his son did at the Super Bowl? Like, oh, of course, man. but you know, it's the Bible belt. It's a Baptist church. Of mm-hmm. course they're going to go that route. Oh, you know? it's a small town mentality. Like, I mean, oh, think about exactly. it. That probably gave them enough to talk about for two or three years, man. You know, when my yeah. grandmother lives, it's two thousand people. It's ten miles radius of rice uh, rice fields, and uh, <laughs> or cotton, depending on what they're planting that year. And they have yeah, and exactly. the paper. They have like people who get you know the, whoever gets a speeding ticket or whatever. They print out all the stuff, the police activities, so people have something to talk yeah. about. And I'm like, oh my god, dude, I can't. I, I lived over there for a year, and I was like, I had to get out of here, man. Like. The world yeah. is so much bigger than, you know, Betty Sue went to the grocery store, didn't pay for her, her uh, you know, yeah. tomatoes or something, you know, it's like, oh, my God. It, and that's the funniest thing about small town mentality is it it stays that way sometimes beyond when the city grows beyond that. Like where mm-hmm. I live in the south suburbs of uh, Chicago now is uh, I live just outside of a city that probably the most known city outside of Chicago in this area is Joliet. I yes. pretty close to there. Oh, what did they build um, there? Um, what are they famous for building? Uh, that I'm not real sure. I know they're famous uh, <laughs> for several things, but primarily what most people know Joliet from is uh, Joliet Jake and the Blues Brothers. Oh, yes. Um, okay. Okay, but, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the, uh, the whole thing is 
they have that same exact thing you're talking about, except it's digital. So even though it's become a much bigger city, um, you know, they still have the Joliet blotter, they call it, and it's online. You know, everybody that from minor infractions to getting arrested for this or that, it's all on there. Their mugshot, you know, all this different stuff that's on there. And you can just, you know, spend your day looking at that if you want to for whatever reason. And uh, it, in, in the, whenever I was in management, you know, I would hear people just talking about what they saw in there. And I'm like, do you really spend your time like looking through this stuff? But it just, once again, speaks to the mentality of the people that are within that small community, even if it's grown beyond that, if their family and their environment is still in that kind of small community kind of mindset it still kind of holds them into that mindset as well. Oh, of course. And, and you know how it is with the family, you know, you don't do anything to embarrass the family because then they're going to have to hear about it. Like for example, at church yeah. or the grocery yeah. store or the general store or whatever. And um, I mean, I feel, I feel for him, man. I know, you know, when yeah. things would happen in the town and it was just like, my grandma was on the phone, you know, 15 phone calls, oh, yeah. you know, she got to yeah. call so-and-so then had to tell so-and-so and then so-and-so that was like a, the internet before there was the internet, I think, is oh yeah, the old oh yeah, no, the uh, the the long corded phones from the kitchen that would be <laughs> yeah. around the house. Uh, yeah, that was call her. She wouldn't even walk over; she would just call her. Yeah, no, the uh, the network of parents and neighbors with phones uh, was definitely the internet before the internet. <laughs> it, it's I've never thought about it that way, but it's definitely very true. I used to be able to just disappear on my bike with friends for the entire day. And, you know, my parents wouldn't have a clue where I'm at for the most part, but at the same time they would, because, you know, oh, my friend's mom, mom, whenever we came down by their house would obviously call my mom and tell mm-hmm. her I'm there. But hey, did you, did you know, you know the like, chances over here? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She probably wouldn't even know I'm gone yet. And, but, you know, she's made aware that way as to where now, you know, it's like, Nobody wants to have anything to do with their neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are scared to let their kids, you know, go down the street out of their sight, uh, which I get there's a lot more creeps out there in the world, it seems almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also just the fact that, you know, the world has become so flat from technology to where, you know, something happens, whether it's one town over or the other side of the country you're going to hear about it instantly and all the media really focuses on whether it's, you know, media through Twitter, Facebook posts mm-hmm. that get shared or the actual media news stations, you know, they focus on those negative news stories because negative news sells bad news. Of sells, course. And the old saying. And so, you know, so many people get this negative skew of the world because they're so focused on those incidents, not realizing, look, yeah, you're hearing all this stuff, but you got to think there's like 320 million people in this uh, country. Mm-hmm. Or billion, one of yeah, million, yeah. There's seven point yeah. five billion in the world, three hundred and twenty million in this country, and you're hearing stories from all around this country at the you know click of a button, as to where you know ten, twenty years ago that wasn't happening, and so yeah. it's not necessarily that the world's becoming a worse, such a worse place. There are some aspects that are worse, but at the same time, there's a lot of aspects where it's the safest and best time that there's ever been because of all this connection and. Uh, rapid information access. But, you know, because of that rapid information access, a lot of times, you know, people get this skewed negative uh, outlook on things because they think oh, it's all so bad because they yeah. can hear all the bad right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because now you hear about a movie theater or a club or a school being shot up r- within hours of it happening doesn't mean that it wasn't happening before just because mm-hmm. before it would have taken 
weeks or however long before you found out about it, if you found out about it at all, depending upon how big or populated of an area it was that it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think the insulation back in the day was good. Like these small towns, like they didn't yeah. have these, pro- they didn't have these issues because they didn't hear about them. It wasn't relevant to their survival, so they didn't care. Yeah, and then you yeah. know, like I was, like you were saying with the news. Like that's one thing I would love to say about our group is that you know you can go there and in that world it's all positive it's all empowering yeah. it's all building up it's very um, you know um, you know a great influence so when I go to there you know I don't hear all these you know Trump anti Trump stories these you know yeah. North Korea stories it's just hey man let's help each other let's build this stuff and I think yeah. that you touch on that you can create your own um, you know I guess sphere of the world by what you're inputting to it if you're in these good groups that we're in. Uh, it's awesome. If you're in these groups that are just, you know, the world is coming to an end, everything's bad, you know, America's terrible, um, you know, you're going to go out and approach the world that way. Yeah. Without realizing what a gift that you can, you know, I think um, what we're doing and trying to create entrepreneurship that we have the ability to directly influence the world with uh, time and financial resources instead of um, waiting to, you know, get legislation passed or waiting for people to, you know, understand things. You can just go out and do start a charity yourself and make it happen. Yeah, no, and and kind of touching on that same kind of aspect is, you know, something I hear a lot and I've discussed a lot with people is the fact that, you know, once again, getting into the information you're being fed all the time can sometimes skew your perception of things. And where I try to, uh, you know, taper people's expectations or whatever uh, the correct way of saying that is on things is, you know, sometimes they get discouraged about things whenever they start getting into this uh, business world to say they join click funnels, you know, they want to start doing their own agency of this aspect or that aspect, you know, building their own business using click funnels. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, they're in there, they're messing with it, learning it. But then all of a sudden due to these people without realizing it due to the people that they've been connecting with, the groups they've started joining, the pages they've started liking, the videos they've started liking, uh, hitting the like button on, the memes and pictures they've started hitting likes on, people they've been connecting with, things like that, the actions they've been taking, a combination of Facebook's algorithm of adjusting what comes through their newsfeed first and then targeting from other entrepreneurs on their, uh, actually that's starting to apply to them now of what ads show up in their feed. Mm-hmm. They start seeing all these advertisements or posts and things through their feed of exactly what they're wanting to do. And then they get this misconception that it's so overpopulated. There's no way they're going to have any success at it. And they're like, Oh, how can I do this at all? You know, every I'm right here on Facebook and everybody's doing it. Well, it's not that everybody's doing it. It's because you've been taking these actions on Facebook that mess with the algorithm that put people posting about that, that you're connected with uh, higher on your feed to where you're going to see that first. And then you now follow targeting target your uh, targeting algorithms to where when other entrepreneurs are uh, running their fa- paid Facebook ads and they're targeting, you fall within the interests and stuff that they're targeting. And now you're starting to see all these ads. So, you know, your mom, your neighbor down the street, you know, other people that you work with at your day job, they're not seeing all those ads. You know, there's a whole world out there of people that don't even know half this stuff exists but we get so numb to it sometimes seeing all this stuff and like, especially whenever we're going through those times of struggle and we're like, man, I'm struggling. There's already so many people doing this. How am I ever going to have success at it? 
well, you kind of got to take a step back and realize that you're being targeted by those other entrepreneurs wanting to sell you on their course or their book or mm-hmm. their offer to deal with that, that it's not necessarily that it's overpopulated. And yes, there are some niches overpopulated, but it's not that it's overpopulated or too crowded. It's just that that's all you're seeing because that's what you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that too because I started seeing all these ads for these courses. Oh, check this out. Free stuff, free this, yeah. and all this stuff. And, you know, it went from like memes, like you said, like most of the time to now they join these groups <laughs> and comment on the stuff. It's, yeah. you know, digital marketing, this kind of course, this kind of stuff, which I think is great. You know, like you said, when you're new, you're like, oh my God, there's too many people doing it. Yeah. But when yes. you kind of like take a step back, you're like, okay, there's obviously a market for it because everybody's, you yeah. know, there's a lot of people doing it. So yes. where can you carve out your blue water, you know, that is to go to yeah. Expert Secrets or was it .com that we talked about? Expert Secrets, I think, right? Expert secrets. Yeah. yeah. You know, where can you kind of make your blue water in it? And, and I think that's great. Yeah, no, the, it, it, it really is. I mean, you gotta really, you know, watch your expectations and watch what you focus on. Cause it can really, the two can kind of skew the other and you don't want to get skewed just based on get a negative skew of how you look at things based on what your newsfeed is filling up with. Sometimes you got to take a step back. And hell, if you're really that in denial and in belief just because of what you're saying, you know, just go walk down uh, the street to some businesses and uh, talk to them, see if they know anything about Facebook advertising. Half the time you talk to them about it, they're going to look at you like you're nuts. Oh, dude, I tell people I funnel hack. They're like, what does that mean? What what, what funnels are you hacking? Yeah, I I have my confusion software on. uh, I have a a funnel hack shirt as well. And, Mm. you know, anytime I wear that, you know, Half the people that see it have no clue what it is. I mean, the back of my laptop, I have the I build funnel sticker on it. And, you know, people mm-hmm. they'll see that stuff. And I get so many questions about it, which is good for me because then it gives me a, it's them asking me about my business instead of mm-hmm. me going. It's a different conversation about it. Exactly. And, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many people that have no clue about it, but I, we I get think so inundated to think that it's, you know, everybody knows, everyone it. knows about it. Exactly. So with your business, was that the first entrepreneurial thing that you dove into or did you have other things you had worked on before? Oh man, the graveyard is littered with my failures. Dude. Like, <laughs> you know that scene in Lion King where he's like, don't go over there. That's not ours. Yeah. Like that is, <laughs> those are my yes. businesses that have failed on me. My first um, one, um, when I, I mean, I was a kid, you did like a paper route and like eliminate yeah. stuff. But my first real shot at it was uh, me and my buddy worked at a car wash and we're like, dude, we can do mobile detailing. You know, we can do this. Yeah. You know, we're really good at this. We can figure it out. And, um, you know, we printed flyers. We went to the golf courses and we would do it on Saturdays and Sundays. And we had a tent and we would wash uh, 12 bucks, wash the outside, do the windows, vacuum. And, you know, all these guys are there. We would, you know, knock out, you know, 20, 30 cars a day. And when we're 18, you know, it's you know, a couple hundred bucks. That was good money. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we started trying to go to people's houses and uh, my buddy was the marketer, but he also was lying to people. He's like, oh, yeah, we have this huge truck and we have this uh, pressure washer and all this stuff. And then we'd show up in a Honda CRX with like, a garbage bag and a milk crate, <laughs> asking for water, hose, and electricity. And the people are like, yeah, yeah. what? That's not what you said. Oh, the truck's broken, yeah. man. Like, you know, it's in repairs for a yeah. shop, but we still wanted to come out and do the job. And that lasted about two months. <laughs> <laughs> So that was my first uh, stand in entrepreneurship. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun, man. It was uh, 
that, that was a fun time. <laughs> that, that's definitely a business I've seen uh, some people do here and there, and uh, some people have found a way to have a lot of success in that. Oh, dude, you Def- can be very successful with, in within it. any business. Uh, lying to the customer about having a big truck that you don't have and then showing up in a Honda. <laughs> uh, that's not going to win you anybody over in uh, any business for sure. No, no, not at all, man. I, I mean, I think I still have some of the flyers somewhere lying around. Yeah. But it, well, it yeah, was... it's like my, my first clothing company I started with my friend. I still have some of those shirts lying around and, you know, a whole uh, file folder on one of my ex- old external hard drives, you know, just filled with designs that we worked on for two years before that crash and burn. So, I mean, it's, I, I definitely, oh, there's great. always going to be remnants of it, you know, laying around by far. Oh, man. I think I love, I love it because it's like a, kind of like a time capsule for yourself. You're like looking at it. It's like, oh, yeah. what was I thinking? What kind of mindset yeah. brought me to do that? But <laughs> you know, but then you think about it like that piece was integral for you to be where you are now. Yeah. No, I, you know, every, yeah. No, every milestone really builds off of each other and it really grows you to the next step. And so many people fail to realize that and they think that, you know, the things in their life are happening to them and uh, not for them. And they, mm-hmm. you know, get so beaten down by life that they fail to see the way they could move forward and spin that aspect into a positive light and push forward. They, spend too long crying over their ex rather than looking at that as a stepping stone. I'm going to learn from that relationship and move forward. You know, they spend too much time, you know, thinking about the job that they got fired from rather than thinking about why did they get fired? How can they improve and go on to mm-hmm. the next job or oh, why they fail that test within school? How can they study better for the next test? I mean, it's, it applies to everything in life, but I mean, every failure you can build off of and keep growing. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's uh it, I, I enjoy it, man. I think people sometimes shy away from entrepreneurship, but I enjoy the risk. Like it's, you know, yeah. not all the time. I, I overthink the things a lot and I overanalyze things, but at the end of the day, I don't think there's a better way to, um, you know, go through your life than, you know, trying to eat off your own table, you know, think about like yeah. hunters and gatherers back in the day for cavemen or whatever, you know, they didn't, you know, have, they didn't feed off of someone else's, um, you know, uh, gathering and hunting. They went out and got their own stuff. And I think yeah. that, um, that, you know, that primal urge or instinct is still within us and entrepreneurship is a way to get that out. Like we're talking about jujitsu. That's a way to like get the testosterone going and, you know, I am man and, you know, be strong and tough. And I I think (laughs) you have to do those things to feed that. Yeah. No, getting to feel some real failure and really test yourself is, I mean, that's key to living almost in my opinion. I mean, you just got to keep testing and pushing yourself to grow Mm -hmm. because the day you stop pushing and pushing yourself to grow and move forward. I mean, that's just when you kind of just fall, fall back and you stop growing and living in my opinion. Oh, and especially, I think, um, you know, like you're a parent and I'm a parent, like I think that helps you develop too. Um, as far as just like, you know, when you first come home with your child, you're looking in the car seat and you're like, okay, now what? Like, uh, yeah. I, I don't know where's, where's the instructions at? What do we do? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, let's take him out. Okay, then now what? And 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 I think, you know, with that is such a good way to teach people about business because you don't have a choice but to succeed at it. You yes. have to keep trying and failing and not sleeping and, you know, uh, you know all these things. And, and it's such a good training because you, you don't have a choice but to succeed. And I think if people would put yeah. that kind of commitment to their business surviving as they would as to their child, 
they wouldn't have any problem. Yeah. There wouldn't be no motivational speakers. There would be no books. It would just be, you just do it and that's it. Yeah. No. And, and so many people, they get focused on their own negative situation and their own bad that's going on in their life that they sometimes get skewed to this reality that that's the worst thing there is that nobody can understand what they're going through because you know that's just the worst thing that's happened to them so they think it's the worst thing that could possibly happen and they get focused on that negative rather than being you know yeah this sucks this is a shitty situation but at least i'm not you know in this situation like i got that eviction notice on my apartment that day at least i wasn't actually being kicked out that day i still had a couple Mm -hmm. days left to come up with rent which i did you know, there's nice. always different aspects that you can uh, look into. I mean, I have, I've had some much darker days than uh, that day of coming home to the eviction notice. And I won't go into a depressing podcast to go into them. But, you know, there's, <laughs> there, I, I always found a way to look at, well, at least I'm not this. in this situation. You know, there's mm-hmm. always that worst situation you can find. And it's not necessarily looking at other people and being like, Oh, at least I'm better off than them. I mean, it's not like a condescending <laughs> thing that you're doing. It's it's just kind of like a blanket statement of at least I'm not in this situation. It could yeah. be worse. It could be this. At least I have this. I mean, there's mm-hmm. you know tons of different examples you could give of that. I mean, and one I've given before is just a kind of a rudimentary one is you know like I hate the car I'm currently driving. It's a <laughs> shitty POS car, but it's a car. It gets me and my kids where we need to go. It exactly. gets me to work so I can pay the bills. It does all that. At least I have a car, you know? Um, mm-hmm. There's some people that will then look at me and be like, oh, I wish I even had that car because they're stuck taking the bus. But then there's some mm-hmm. people looking at the person on the bus and being like, I wish I could afford a bus ticket and they're riding yeah. their bike. And then there's the person walking saying, I wish I could afford a bike. I mean, there's mm-hmm. always, you know, there's, Grass is always greener on the other side. I mean, it really oh, is. Of course. There's always going to yeah. be something better than what you have, but you just got to keep, you know, pushing forward. Yeah, it's crazy because I've had a lot of POSs in my life too, and you, you never really <laughs> truly appreciate how much you really love that car until it breaks down on you in the side of the road and it's like 100 <laughs> degrees outside. You're like, oh my God, yeah. please, I love you. Just don't do this to yeah. me right now. <laughs> Exactly. It's, Sorry I treated you so badly. Like I will never talk smack about you uh-huh. if you just start right now, please. Exactly. Yeah, no, I uh funny you say that I used to have a uh two thousand one Tahoe that I finally got rid of uh when gas up here in Illinois was almost five dollars a gallon a few years ago. Uh, I was basically paying a car payment on a new Tahoe with what I was spending in gas. So I was, <laughs> you know, I was spending like a hundred bucks a week in gas, if not more sometimes. And, Ouch. uh, so I finally just traded it and got myself a car that was better on gas at the time and had a cheap car payment. Cause you know, I had my kids and everything, mm-hmm. but, uh, I was, I remember I was taking this trip back down to Memphis, uh, with my kids. I was going down there. I think it was, I think I was going down for my oldest brother's wedding. Um, mm-hmm. and this was when my five-year-old daughter was, uh, six months old, maybe, you know, she was not very old at all. And we get into Arkansas, uh, you know, just into Arkansas, probably, mm-hmm. I think once you cross, so like, like once you get out of Southern Illinois, you cross into Missouri mm-hmm. for like maybe 20 minutes and then you cross into Arkansas for maybe an hour before you get to Memphis. 
I think what we taking 65. Yeah, you're, yeah. If you take uh, I fifty seven south uh, to uh, sixty five, and then over to I two forty in Memphis or whatever. Um, but the uh, I think it was right when we got. I want to say, trying to remember exactly where it was at. I think it was almost. Do you know Lambert's Cafe, like Home in the Throat Rolls or whatever over there? Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, yeah, it's a place right there off sixty five or whatever, kind of near Arkansas, Missouri, like right about mm-hmm. there. So we had another hour and a half, two hours to go before we were to my parents' house in Memphis, and air conditioner just died on the Tahoe like a hundred degrees out, you know, super humid oh, down there in the South, <laughs> super humid, extremely hot. You know, I had to stop at a gas station and like buy a bag of ice just so that I could, you know, wrap some mm-hmm. ice up and some things and put it next to my daughter and everything just to keep her cool. Cause it was, Oh yeah. Hot kids are not happy kids. man. It, it quickly became an oven inside that car. So you, <laughs> oh, you can sure. definitely, uh, you can definitely become thankful for a car on a hot day whenever uh, it's no longer working to the standard that it was before when you weren't happy with it. That's oh, yeah, right. man. <laughs> it can always get worse, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, exactly what I was saying. Yes, it can always it can always get worse. I mean, the air conditioning wasn't working, but, again, at least the car was still running and got us yeah. where we needed to go. And then once we got there, I was able to get the air conditioner fixed. But it it there's always something you can – there's always a spin you can put on. And I think the best way I've heard someone explain it is there's stories that we tell ourselves every day mm-hmm. on everything that we do. And you're in charge of that story. And so it's all about how you, the spin you put on that story, just like the media, you know, there's, uh, we, we, we all know what media stations are not going to get political, but there's obviously ones more biased towards the left and ones more biased towards the right and so mm-hmm. forth. There's, and it's all about the spin. You know, they both talk about the same facts, but then they put spins on the opinionated parts of it and a, a oh, spin yeah, on the narrative. facts even to create their narrative. Exactly. So whenever something happens in your life, you can put a spin on it when you're in charge of your own story. So you can control how that affects you. So it's, okay, I got turned down for uh, these past three jobs I interviewed for that I've really been looking forward to and hoping to get. But, you know, I have these other jobs I can apply for it. It eliminated these uh, starting your mm-hmm. business and you're trying to get clients. Um, I just called these 10 businesses and got 10 no's. Okay. Well that's 10 businesses no longer on my list of businesses to call. You know, there's mm-hmm. ways you can spend things to keep yourself pushing forward and not get discouraged and disheartened. It's just all about the way you frame yourself and the story you tell yourself of the situation that you're mm-hmm. in. Oh, of course. Like you can find, you can be like, um, I heard something similar. It's like, you need to be the hero of your own story. So what kind of hero are yes. you like, you know, Superman, you just like kind of nothing hits faces. You need to just bounce off. Are you kind of more like Rocky? Like you're the underdog and you know, you're taking blows, yeah. but somehow you come out to the end. And if you can frame your life in that kind of story, like, Hey man, you know what? I'm the underdog. I'm never going to give up. No one's going to beat me. And, um, you know, you just keep going. And then when those things finally happen, it makes that real story so much better. Yes. When we have you know a million people watching this, when there's a million people watching this and we're going over this story, being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that man! That was just like me," you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, once again, goes back to uh, the reading of books and watching the videos of you know learning from people that are above you, changing up your circle of influences. 
you know, mm-hmm. when you start to do that, that's when it really does open up your mind to these aspects of ways of thinking through things. You know, what's crazy is that joining uh, the affiliate groups, uh, the Avengers, and then the one that affiliate secrets, yeah. uh, it really um, gave me that perspective and that group that I've been looking for. Cause a lot of like people I'm surrounded with, they're not, I don't say not as driven, but not as entrepreneurially driven. You know, they're driven in their careers and stuff like that, which is cool. And I'm not knocking that, but, you know, to find people that you can relate to and talk to and maybe go have a beer with and talk about, you know, creating a funnel is very few and far between. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's very many people near me that I could have a beer with that uh, even know what a funnel is. They'd uh, probably go look in the trunk of their car for a funnel to put more oil in their car. Uh, I, I I don't think they'd have a clue what I was talking about. Exactly. So, I mean, I think, like you said, like this whole just environment and the group and everybody coming together and uh, the influences that you're creating and, you know, all the positive stuff people are posting, it really, um, it's nice to know that, you know, you're not alone just trying to go on this journey and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're battling all this stuff going on. There's always people above you and below you that you can mentor and that can mentor you. Yeah. And, uh, on the topic of funnels in your business, how exactly are you using those funnels for your business? I meant to ask you that. Oh, well, um, not at the moment. I'm still building it. I'm, I'm going through the 100-day affiliate program to really okay. um, get the training and to really understand how to structure it and how to do it. Um, I've been yeah. running a couple ads here. Most of my traffic is like on Instagram. I post like funny server memes or bartender memes and uh, you know yeah. pictures and things like that. Um, but as far as the funnel goes, I'm going through the training first to, you know, see, test my skills out. And then, um, as I'm going through the, each one for the affiliate program, I'm doing mine on paper. So when it comes time to, when I'm done with the program, I can just transfer everything I've been doing, um, for my business. Yeah. Okay. No, that's definitely a a great way of doing it. And that affiliate bootcamp's a great training by far. I mean, so many people, they get into that and, you know, they get really, gun ho the first three first like week or two and then fall off and don't really keep up with it and wonder why they're not seeing results or there's people that get into it and they have decent results or they get really into it but they get in that closed mindset of thinking that this only applies to the affiliate where mm-hmm. if you have your own passions or business that you're pursuing you know those same tactics and aspects of building those kind of funnels, uh, doing the marketing and Facebook ads, setting them up the way that they do, the way they kind of frame your mind of how to set those things up directly translates into how to have success within your own business doing that as well. Oh yeah. Just, you just need to find the formula and then just repeat it on your own thing, you know? And, um, you know, I, I enjoyed, I just finished my day six, uh, funnel. I got my video on there. I got the the, you know, those talking about the small victories, I got my, my sub ID one link hooked up to it. And, you know, I did it, I did it on the incognito page and it all worked together and, yeah. and you know, went to this page and I was like, Oh yeah, dude, I got this. I can do this. You know, I'm hacking now. So, um, you know, it, it, it's really, it's really exciting to like have it walk through because it's a big, you know, it's a lot of, uh, things you may not be used to. And I'm yeah. not tech savvy. I'm good, really good with my hands. I can build stuff. I can fix stuff. But as far as computers go, it's kind of a different world for me. So to go through that uh, training and really get to see it working and like these little victories, man, is just incredible. Yeah. I don't. I, I think everyone should at least go through it unless they're already, you know, they're already they don't need to, you know. Yeah, but even then, I mean, you can always, uh, you know, pick up things that you didn't know for sure. 
uh, you know, there's little golden nuggets, so to speak, that you can find in just about any training. So even if you know it, that's true. you can still, you know, take other things and learn more. I mean, that's one of the things that even Russell Brunson's talked about of why not only does he uh, hack other businesses' funnels for the sake of, you know, doing his uh, <clears throat> funnel secrets, uh, his funnel university, you know, kind of showing those aspects of showing the funnels that he hacks and the process of why they're successful, things like that. Not only mm-hmm. is it in that aspect of providing value to his community, but he's also talked about, you know, how he's also learning stuff from, you know, seeing how they were successful, the way that they set up their funnel, the way they did things and had that success. You know, he's always learning little things and continuing to improve himself upon things. You know, he he might be the founder of ClickFunnels necessarily, but the people that come in and use ClickFunnels are the ones that he essentially ends up learning from on some aspects of how to improve his own business, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I can imagine you have how, how many subscribers do they say they have now? Like fifty thousand somewhere in there, just under fifty thousand. Uh, I know they had a post about it not that long ago, talking about how there's like eighty thousand people in the ClickFunnels group, but only like forty something thousand are actually members on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I mean, think about this. You know, there's a lot of people on the fence, just kind of looking in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it. you have forty thousand different viewpoints and and communication styles and all these little. You know, that some people are just like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to try something. And then it works. You know, and yeah. like, okay, what, what was good about that? Okay, let's go in there and copy that and share it with everybody else. So, yeah, you know, I think, I think honestly for the training, if I can be a little personal here, is that it, I love it because it helps me stay, like, in line and just follow the formula and not try yeah. and outsmart system. And that, that's exactly. where my failures have been before. And in the past, I was trying to shortcut it or jump this or skip this. And instead of jumping forward, I would always end up jumping into like, you know, down into flames where everything was crashing around me. So this, it keeps you like, you know, just follow it and it'll work. And I love yeah. that about it. And, and one thing that, uh, to kind of on a very similar note that, you know, where a lot of other people seem to struggle is they once again, having that narrow focus, how that's like an affiliate boot camp, So they think it only applies to affiliates. Well, a lot of people, they'll take, uh, working systems and not change a thing. So it's not even really hacking. It's almost stealing, mm-hmm. but they'll uh, not change a thing for something that's successful for someone else, try to implement it and then call it a scam because it doesn't work for them. When in reality, it's not that it's a scam. It's you didn't put in, you didn't see all the other work that that person put in. So yeah, you might be implementing the same system, Mm-hmm. But your product or service is a little bit different. You didn't put in all that back-end work that you didn't see that that person did. So when you can go through a training like affiliate the uh, affiliate boot camp and get all that back-end training and get that system to where mm-hmm. it truly does become plug-and-play, and they're very big on throughout that training because I've been through it, to where they tell you, you know, it's like, here's what we're going to say on this but you shouldn't just copy this word for word. You can kind of, you know, make it your own, you know, change it a little bit here and there. They'll give you some ideas of types of things to say. And they're really big on that because that's true. You never know within your market. I mean, you could be selling expert secrets uh, where you live, but then somebody, you know, down in Hawaii is trying to sell it as well. It's two completely different markets or Tennessee and Arkansas uh, right on the Two opposite oh, sides. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Two, two different, completely different uh, markets, and you got to market it differently. There's going to be 
the people are going to be receptive to different styles of messaging, of copywriting, things like that. So it's mm-hmm. as much as things can be cookie cutter that they make it in that affiliate bootcamp. There's a lot of people that think it's too much cookie cutter and then get upset when it doesn't work because they literally change nothing. They just do it all word for word like they do and don't listen to those things they try to teach you of, you know, you got to make it your own and make tweaks and adjustments based on your market and the thing that you're pushing in that market. Oh, of course. Like if you put it to like a, like a good analogy is like, you know, if you're from Memphis and you hear someone with a long Island accent, dude, you're like, no, I'm not buying anything from this guy. (laughs) This guy is a fast talking city slicker from New York thinks he knows everything. Uh You know, I don't trust him for as far as I can throw him. Exactly. Carpet bag or whatever they call him. (laughs) Yeah. Your, you know, your audience. And and I think, um, you know, storytelling is very important. You know, this, um, what they call it, the A A B T and but and therefore structure. You know, I was yeah. doing this and this happened. But, you know, this happened. Therefore I did this. And yeah. people, you know, people relate to stories. It's not just, hey, go buy this book. It's great. It's, you know, you're gonna love it. It's gonna do this. Okay, well, you know, everybody says that. What's exactly. different about your personal message? Like my video I just posted um was extremely personal, you know, talking about mostly yeah. my, you know, that graveyard I was telling you about. Yeah. And um <laughs> You know, I hope that would relate to more people than just saying, hey, I'm super successful. I've never done anything wrong. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> no one's going to believe that. And nobody wants to hear that either. It, I mean, yeah. even if you were, you know, the luckiest son of a bitch around, you stepped in entrepreneurship and hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Day one, never had a bad day in your life. Uh, yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to hear it because that's not their life. They want something they can relate to. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the keys to success in this business and success with storytelling is storytelling is the best way you can market yourself by far, but then having a relatable and authentic story. And I say authentic because too many people try to be relatable without being authentic. They just make Mm -hmm. shit up and try to be what they think is relatable or they go the opposite end. And once again, not to bag on Ty Lopez, but, you know, I believe he truly does own all that stuff that he shows and that he has all that money successful. Mm-hmm. I believe all that. But there's a ton of people out there in the marketing world that try to be like him when they don't mm-hmm. actually own all that stuff. So they're out there renting a car or a nice house for like a day. Making rap videos, right? videos. Yeah, exactly. Making <laughs> like a, a rap style video to promote marketing. And that's not actually their life. You know, they're just mm-hmm. putting on a show. And People can pick up on that and you to have some real long-term success. Sure. You can have a uh, short-term success with that, but you got to be authentic, honest, and relatable to have the long-term success. Cause I mean, it's kind of like that post I put up the other day about, you know, uh, if you want the secrets to success, you know, here's my PayPal, send me nine ninety seven, uh, <laughs> And then I explained what I was talking about underneath that. It's, you, you know, there's unethical ways you can make money really quickly. Because uh, people will buy and say, oh, they want to know those secrets. They want to get that get rich quick. They'll tell themselves in the back of their mind they don't believe in get rich quick. But at the same time, they're out there searching. And uh, it there's so many unethical ways you can make money quick, but it's not going to last. If you go about things ethically and be authentic and real when you're building your business, it, mm-hmm. it might have a slow, gradual start. But once it picks up and keeps going you keep putting up in that work and keep being authentic, it's going to have so much more of a long-term success. I mean, 
I, that's one of the things I love so much about Russell Brunson and the ClickFunnels community is the fact that, you know, he puts himself out there and he really is, from everything that I can tell, at least, a very authentic and real person. Mm-hmm. It, and I, uh, to, to kind of piggyback on that, we were talking about earlier about the serving, like, you know, when you're meeting people and your job is to read people all the time, like you can pick up when someone has a fake allergy or, um, yeah. <laughs> or, um, <Yeah. laughs> or they're trying to throw you a feed you a line of BS and people in general, you know, it's, I don't know if it's like ingrained in us, but you can just tell when someone, something is off, you know, most people yeah. can't. There are a few people who just, you know, believe whatever they'll buy any bridge that someone sells them. But, uh-huh. you know, people are trained, especially like in, in um, you know, in today's world, it's just constant marketing. They, they can pick up on it quick. And you hear all these stories, especially like, what was it? How many years ago was it with the Enron and the WorldCom and Tyco and oh, all this yeah. stuff? And people are super skeptical of anyone anymore. So, you know, if you're not coming to them and telling them a real story about, Hey, look, I'm just a dad trying to take care of my family. Um, I'm not perfect at this. I'm doing this. Here's what I've done so far. And, um, you know, I'll show you where I get to where I am. And then, you know, go to talk to chance or Catlin or one of these guys who's further along down the road and they yeah. can help you get to a different point. And people will say, okay, you know, that's a real story. Like he's not promising me the moon. He's just telling me, Hey, I can show you how to help you make your video or put your Facebook yeah. ad. And they'll be more receptive to it because, hey, that's a real guy just like me. He just wants to take care of his kids. That's all I want. Exactly. And instead yeah, of, no, you know, showing, showing you on my yacht and my uh, my Mercedes and my Rolex <laughs> and my gold chains, you know, uh-huh. I, I don't know if people, true entrepreneurs, I don't think if they value that kind of lifestyle. You know, yeah. some probably, but, you know, I, I, I don't need that stuff, man. I don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. No, and, it, and it's almost becoming a, uh, a little bit of a a joke, at least within my my own head, uh, because it just this keep I keep end up bringing up this same thing within almost every podcast. Uh, but uh, a huge, a big book, one of the books that's been a big part of my life. That you know, I love the audio book. I don't own the actual physical book. I mm-hmm. want to. I plan on ordering it. Uh, but I've listened to the audio book multiple times, and I've kind of skimmed through a friend's copy of the book. Um, is start with why by Simon Sinek. And, oh, dude, I, love that. I mean, and you know, and he has the whole, I mean, even if you don't feel like taking the time to listen to the audio book or read the book, um, if people would just listen to that Ted talk that he did of, you know, start with why and mm-hmm. everything, it's such a powerful message and such a real message. And, you know, there's so many people that get into entrepreneurship that fizzle out and burn out because they are just after, you know, the money and mm-hmm. sure you can get money when you do that. But when you have a real purpose and a real why that you're going after, mm-hmm. you know, money will follow. And obviously, you know, yeah, I want money too. I want to be able to support my kids. I want to have a comfortable life, not stressing about this bill or that one, mm-hmm. but money isn't my ultimate main goal. It's, you know, as much as I love exotic cars and everything, I'm not doing this to get that exotic car. I'm doing <laughs> this to, give my kids everything I can possibly give them and have a comfortable life where I'm not stressing about how I'm going to make rent or uh, pay my mortgage or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be at the end of the month. You know, it's, uh, it's much bigger. Why, you know, it's about being there for my kids, not missing out on things because I'm stuck at a job. It's, you know, being there for my wife and kids, being able to take family vacations without having to request it off from a job. Yeah. Having uh, a a car with AC that works. Exactly. (laughs) There's so many little things that, you know, 
my why really revolves heavily around my kids. And then mm. my, like, that's probably my first why, if I were to be honest, is my kids. Mm. And then my second why is a completely very under the radar project that I kind of work on in just my spare time that once I actually have more money that I can put into it from businesses mm. is uh, a project towards, you know, help people dealing with uh depression anxiety and you know suicidal things like that because that's something i struggled with for years in my life and so that's something i've always wanted to give back and help other people with and you know so i have some pretty powerful whys that i consider you know that really push me forward and Mm -hmm. anytime i'm in those struggling or dark times as i call it with this you know having that why and that true purpose pushes you through those times if money is your only why and purpose, when you start hitting those pitfalls or whatever, you're going to get, you know, what that term that you've probably seen around in uh, these groups and everything, a lot of shiny object syndrome to where, you know, as soon as one thing's not working out, you know, oh, money's yeah. your only goal. You're going to hop right to the next thing because you want this next thing that's promising you this money. Yeah, and entrepreneurial if that's not working out, you're going to hop onto something else that's promising you money. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. But if you have that why and that true purpose, it'll keep you focused and, you know, pushing through any obstacle that comes your way. I'm really glad that you shared that, man, because that was one thing I struggle with. Like my true passion is I want to be a good like father and a good husband. And, yeah. you know, you hear all these tapes and stories like, oh, you got to find your passion. It's like, well, how am I going to make money doing that? Like I can't make money being people's dad, you know, like I have to find yeah. something. And I think that's a good segue into like, OK, that is my true passion. So. What can I do that falls within the realm of my skills and my passions? Because I love to teach. I love to yeah. you know, talk to people, mentor people, help people make their lives better. So I was like, okay, if I want to be passionate as dad, I can still teach and achieve both of those at the same time through this yes. vehicle of group funnels, you know, uh, online marketing and stuff like that. And I'm really glad you shared that because that was one thing I struggled with for a long time. Is like, well, I have to have a passion that makes money. And I was yeah. trying to find a passion that would fit the, the goal of making money instead of, you know, finding my true passion and finding a way to make money to keep pursuing that, you know? Yeah, exactly. No. And that, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Like I, I enjoy doing design. I've done web design, graphic design for almost 10 years. As I mentioned, I've been doing click funnels for about a year and I've been distracted a lot within that year, but the past like four months where I've been really focused because, uh, essentially ever since we got the due date, for my son due on November 6th is oh, where I started getting, thank you. I started getting uh, extremely focused, like really laser focused of I'm going to be, you know, come hell or high water. I'm going to be a hundred percent self-employed by the time my son is born. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. missing out on anything more with my kids based on a job that somebody else has scheduled for me. I'm not oh, going to yeah, build man. someone else's dream to miss out on stuff with my kids. You know, oh, the FaceTime videos. Is- the FaceTime videos from your wife yeah. on the splash pad and you're at work are just like killers <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, exactly. It, it's, it's it's terrible. How did that dad And you're just like, oh my God, why'd you do this? Like I was focused. Like I, exactly. I forgot about you for a few hours. Like I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's exactly. good. You need that it's, motivation to get out. You know? Exactly. And so that's where I've been laser focused these last few months is hitting that, that goal by the time he's born being hundred percent self-employed and I'm, you know, as long as things stay on the path that they're on now, I should be able to crush that goal, as I mentioned towards the beginning of this podcast. But oh, that's the, incredible, man, dude. I mean, think about that freedom, dude, when you hand them that two-week yeah. notice and you're just like, I'm not coming <laughs> back, man. I'm not going back to serving. I'm not going back to sales. I'm done. Like, that's got to be an amazing thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
and just truly being able to provide for my family by no longer sacrificing my family to do so, you know, mm-hmm. being able to build my own business, which, you know, I enjoy design and all that. So it might not be the thing that I'm most passionate about, mm-hmm. but it is something that I enjoy and something I can do to earn money to allow me to then pursue my other passions, such as, you know, being there for my family, being a father, being a husband, and then eventually pursuing some of that, putting some of that money into building out some sort of business. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, whether what the avenue is going to be of how I do it, but in mm-hmm. some form, I'd like to be able to, you know, help the people dealing with depression and all that other stuff. Like I mentioned. Oh, that's it. That, and, I love that, man. It's a wonderful you know, goal. And, and that's where, you know, I really found this is a way that I can funnel into that. Cause if I were to just try to go into one of those other two passions, there's not going to be money in that. And I'm fine with that. I wouldn't necessarily want to make money mm-hmm. off of those passions. I mean, if there's some money that comes back from it, cool, but it's not, it's almost those passions are are around helping others and not really something that I'm wanting to get rich off of. Cause I'm not just wanting to take people's money. I just oh. want to genuinely help as many people as I can. So that's why I was really happy whenever I was able to find a way that I could truly use uh click funnels in my uh skill set as a designer to be able to start building websites and funnels and do digital marketing and things like that to actually start getting an income for myself to then be able to pursue those passions on the side oh man that's that's awesome and so have you personally have you done any other uh like the trainings besides 100 day boot camp are you like fun have you done the funnel university or the hacks or anything like that uh, funnel university i am probably going to be getting soon just because i know there's not only a wealth of knowledge that you get from all that stuff in the books, but the uh, I know they added all the like ClickFunnels Pro tools and stuff, and there's a lot of extra like tools and plugins that you get for ClickFunnels. So that's oh, nice. something that's really pushing me towards getting that. Um, one thing that I really hate myself for, and <laughs> not really, but a little bit angry with myself is uh, about this time last year, maybe a little bit after. Um, I actually did get the funnel hacks course whenever I was first introduced to, like I said, I bought into the 67 steps program of ties last July Mm -hmm. was going through that. Uh, Ty Lopez actually had, uh, Russell Brunson out to his house and then they did a joint kind of webinar thing. Mm -hmm. And that's how I found out about click funnels. And I actually bought into the funnel hacks, um, master class. So I got the, uh, you know, six months of, the full suite of uh, click funnels. And then plus you get all those additional trainings and everything, you know, I went through all the trainings and everything, but you know, I had a little bit of that shiny object syndrome and just a ton of stuff going on in my personal life as well to where I just kept getting bogged down and distracted and didn't really take advantage of that opportunity that I had of having that six months paid for click funnels and being able to really pursue anything. And I hadn't altered my circle of influence yet. I was still around some negative people, so to speak. <laughs> and then it, so I, I never really got to put that in the work that I should have then. And gotcha. so uh, it wasn't until, like I said, four or five months ago that I started actually putting in the work, finding the correct mentors, altering my circle of influence and started seeing results. Um, but yeah, no, as far as other trainings, you know, like I said, I had the 67 step program of ties. Um, I had the Funnel Hacks Masterclass that I went through, the affiliate boot camp when they first launched it. And then um, uh, for free, I got uh, from a friend who went through Ty Lopez's social media marketing agency. He actually uh, 
gave me access to all of that for free. So I went through all that and absorbed all as much of that knowledge as I could. Nice. And then uh, ClickBank, which I know Russell Brunson talks about to get like affiliate offers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, ClickBank has their own ClickBank University. And uh, it was like 40 bucks or something. So I just went ahead and bought that and went yeah, through that. 40 bucks. And uh, they they teach you there's like two sides to their university and you get it both of them, access to both for the when you buy into it. But there's one kind of system of the course you can go through that's teaching you on being a kind of all-star affiliate, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then the other side is teaching you how to develop your own product and get it into the hands of affiliates through the ClickBank marketplace. And hmm. so I went through that training as well, which definitely opened my mind to a lot more ideas. Um, like building the value ladder and the product yeah. and stuff like that. And then uh, something else that, you know, to add to just my knowledge base, but also part of my shiny object syndrome that I went through at one point <laughs> was uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Chris Record with uh, the Techademics group. I went through his 90-day uh, Shopify training. So mm-hmm. once again, that helped me pursue a little bit of a side business that I've been wanting to pursue for a while. And I've got that kind of on the back burner to where I am doing things with it here and there, which is a uh, t-shirt company called American Heritage. Yeah, yeah I saw it. Man. I love the stuff. You know, what, what I'm doing with that is uh, I'm just working on it on the back end. It's not really something I'm putting a ton of effort into right now. It's kind of just a side project, and then I'll push it more once I have more funding that I can mm-hmm. pull from my digital marketing and put into that, so to speak. Um, but what that is essentially is uh, just promoting more of like a positive message within this country because there's been so much negativity the past few years, I feel, and especially <laughs> so, much hate, so much hate towards first responders that I just get annoyed by, which is a completely different topic. But uh, <laughs> so what I do is essentially... 20% of any sales I get from that business, once I start truly pushing it, 20% mm-hmm. of all sales from that will go uh, donated to first responders. And how I'm doing that is uh, 10% is going to be no- donated to the uh, Fallen Firefighters uh, Memorial Foundation. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called it. Yeah, Fallen Firefighters Memorial Foundation or Memorial Fund. And uh, what that does is the money goes towards uh, better equipment for firefighters throughout the country, uh, goes to the family of fallen firefighters that are oh, in need, awesome. you know, things like that. And then the other 10% goes to the uh, National Law Enforcement uh, Officers Memorial Fund. And then same thing, but on the police, police side. Officers. Like the, yeah, oh, that's so incredible. Like fallen, fallen police officers' families and, you know, and better equipment and things like that for uh, police officers. And, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to do because there's so much hate i feel especially towards first responders unnecessarily and i have so much family and friends that are first responders Mm -hmm. that i wanted to find a way to give back to that so once again that's like a side project that i'm not putting a lot of effort into i'm just slowly building on the side while keeping most of my focus on the main money maker so to speak of my business that really give me the freedom needed to build that business and other things that i pursue yeah, I think it's like building a fort when you're a kid. Like you got all this stuff, you find this light bulb, you're like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I know that it's going to be cool yeah. for the fort. And I don't know what this exactly. is, but I know we can use that. So you just have this like big pile of stuff. And you're like, all right, now what? And you start putting it together and you're like, all right, man, it was pretty cool. Like we definitely needed that, you know, random object you found on the side of the road. So that's incredible. Uh, Chance, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to uh, head out in a minute. I, my uh, my wife is asking me to come to bed. So. Oh, you're good. Uh, we went. Uh, 
way past the time we were originally going to go for, but I mean, I wasn't going to just kill the conversation in the middle. Yeah, I understand. Uh, but yeah, no, it's getting late here anyway. So uh, thank you for coming on, man. It was a, a great podcast. I enjoyed it. Hey, Chance, um, thanks for having me, man. Have you on again. Of course, man. It was a pleasure connecting with you, man. I love to hear your story, man. And uh, I'll definitely be in touch, man, to, um, you know, follow up with you on how everything's going and definitely ask you some questions on my journey to uh, to be where you're at one day where you don't have to work anymore. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your night, man. I'll uh, definitely be in touch. All right. Thanks, Chance, man. Have a wonderful evening, man. And congratulations again on the... Uh, oh, you didn't tell me his name. Uh, Leo. Leo. Awesome, man. Yeah. Leo Patrick. Her her grandfather was Leo and mine was uh, David Patrick. So, going Oh, man. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's a beautiful name. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Chance. It was a pleasure talking to you, man. I hope you have a wonderful right, night. Man. Thank you so much. You as well. Really thank you as well. All right. Thanks, Chance.